What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Monday, so time to look at the week 14 waiver wire. A bit of an unfortunate week upcoming. Uh, we've number one got the buy apocalypse going on. Falcons, Bears, Packers, Colts, Saints, and Commanders all on buy. Uh, relatively unfortunate timing for a bunch of buys like the week right before the fantasy playoffs. Plus, a lot of injuries this week. Lamar injures his knee, uh, Ken Walker, Tua with their ankles, uh, Aaron Jones leaves with a shin injury, then like comes back for a little bit, but we don't really know what his status is, uh, Jimmy G breaks his foot, Burks gets hurt, Sutton, Hayden Hurst, likely, Quez Watkins, so a lot of different injuries. Now, normally, you have all these injuries, you've got bye weeks, and it's like, okay, we can make up for the bye weeks because even though these guys got hurt, we can use their backups. But that's not really the case with these injuries. Like, I suppose Lamar Jackson opens up Huntley for people who were streaming. Maybe they have another option. But we're not looking at the Miami backups. We're not looking at the San Fran backups. Uh, Seattle, I'm going to talk about the running backs. But let's be honest, there's definitely a chance they go to a committee if Walker misses time. And then also, all three of the backups they have have been injured or sick. So we don't even know who's going to be playing next week. The Packers are on by, um, and actually, like I said, you know, Aaron Jones did like return to the game, so we might not even have anything there. And then let's be honest, AJ Dillon was also already rostered, so it's not like that even opens up anything there. Uh, we don't care about the secondary Titans or Broncos wide receivers, and then Hurst, likely Watkins. Like, I mean, we weren't even really looking at them all that much. It only helps starters, and so it doesn't open up anything new on free agency. So even with all the injuries that happened, it's like. Huntley, you know, is maybe a streaming option against the Steelers. Like, big whoop, right? Like, there's just really not that much. So, a relatively gross week on the waiver wire. Um, there are definitely some names we need to look at. So, the top of the list, um, I think, is a group of, like, four running backs. But I only say four because the next best is a running back. It's really, like, uh, a pretty heavy top three running backs and then everyone else after that. So, James Cook, Zonovan Knight. Cam Akers and then Travis Homer kind of sliding in to that fourth spot. That's how I'm kind of seeing it this week at the top end. James Cook, you know, pretty much had the same snap share in every game, at least like roughly from weeks five through 12. Like he was basically just being used a little bit, not enough to ever be worth starting in fantasy, uh, but enough to like kind of get developed into the offense. And then he exploded. On Thursday night, played 43% of the snaps, 105 yards on 20 touches, with six of those being receptions, which we obviously like to see in fantasy. Now, we talked all summer about how the Bills had Singletary featured last season, but they made repeated efforts over the offseason to get a running back that can fill the receiving back role. We talked about how Singletary is a good running back, but is extremely inefficient as a receiver and so it made sense they were trying to fill that role but then throughout the season nothing has really changed all that much like Singletary is not featured like he was at the end of last season but he was very clearly the number one running back all the way up until last week and then maybe James Cook had just developed enough to where they wanted to go with him I don't know 100% the reasoning. There was like these small reports that maybe uh, Singletary had like a little bit of like an ankle injury or something, but it doesn't really matter. Basically, if there's even a chance that James Cook 
retains this role for the rest of the season, he needs to be the top waiver ad. Like, he doesn't even need 20 touches a game rest of season to be worth it. Even if you knew he was only going to get, let's say, 10 carries and like four to five targets a week. So down on four carries, down on one to two targets and receptions. Even that is worth adding, right? This is the Buffalo Bills offense. There's going to be a lot of scoring potential in this offense. You know he's going to be efficient because no one's going to be able to sell out to stop the run or to stop them out of the backfield with Josh Allen there. You always need your eyes on Josh Allen and obviously Stephon Diggs as well. So he's not going to see stacked boxes. He's not going to have people being like, okay, you got to scheme out James Cook in the receiving game. That's like not even in the minds of defensive coordinators with all the other weapons that they have. And so basically the end of the day, we don't know if this role is going to say the same. Hines could see more work. He did last week. He could still like keep seeing more work. Singletary could go back to like 75% of the snaps and get a bunch of touches. But since it's a possibility that James Cook retains this role or a role like it, I think he's a top ad. Then after that, you get to Knight, who I have the exact same take as I did last week. And it's likely I included him because I looked at like the percent owned of, of players and like he wasn't as high as I thought. I would say in the vast majority of competitive leagues, he's probably rostered, right? Like, and especially in the league you're in, I mean, he was our number one ad last week. And so you probably have him. If, if no one did, I don't know why you didn't go after him. Uh, but we talked about literally everything that had happened last week that Carter was probably going to miss because when people leave with these ankle injuries, it's usually one to two weeks that they're going to be out. Uh, that they were probably going to add or probably going to activate James Robinson, that people are probably going to freak out and be like, oh, no, do we still start night? But the answer was yes. It was a really good matchup. We knew that Robinson was behind him in the depth chart because they didn't even activate Robinson the week before. And so we knew he'd play ahead of him. And he didn't do anything last week to like lose the job. And then he did great again this week. So nothing has changed. The only thing I guess that's changed is that like Carter's a little bit closer to coming back. But even then, like, Carter hasn't been that good this season. Like, 3.7 yards per carry, 5.8 yards per target. That's way down from Knight, who's been at 5.5 yards per carry, 7.8 yards per target. And you can say, hey, small sample size for Knight, but, like, no kidding. But it's just basically saying when he's played, he's been better than Carter. So why would they make the change? Uh, they seem to like Knight. Like, it just makes sense that he's going to continue retaining this role. And if he just does okay this week against the Bills, like just doesn't do terrible, basically. He's got two great matchups coming up after that. And so, I mean, there's a chance that Knight is a league winner. Like maybe not someone who's going to be a clear-cut, you know, top 10 running back rest of season, but he could be someone that really, really good teams that had, you know, locked and loaded quarterback, tight end wide receiver, picked up Knight as a running back two, play him rest of season, and that's enough to kind of put them over the edge. So obviously he's still a great ad this week. Uh, but again, you probably already got him last week. After those two, mini step down into Cam Akers because I don't fully trust Cam Akers. Um, and he's also like not that good. I mean, he had 18 touches, but he turned it into 61 yards. Like if it wasn't for the two touchdowns, you know, Cam Akers is just a, a highly inefficient running back. I don't know why really McVay um, has decided to go back to using him, but he did this week 72% snap share if he's going to maintain that rest of season and see 17 to 20 touches, 
obviously that's going to be someone we're starting every week, especially next two weeks, Raiders and Packers. So I hope we get news throughout the week that kind of like indicates why they went to Akers so much. Because again, he, he's never really been good this season. He wasn't even good this last week. It wasn't like he was averaging, you know, five, six yards a carry, just like ripping off long runs. Like he, he wasn't playing all that well, uh, but they just kind of kept going with him over Kyron Williams. Um, same thing with Akers as always, though. He's, he's not really going to be involved in the receiving game. And he's not that good. So he needs those touchdowns, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone capable of having 17 to 18 touches their season needs to be rostered. Um, I think all those three, um, they're worth like 10 to 15% of your fab. So whichever one's on free agency, whichever one you want. Again, I think it's Cook, then Knight, then Akers. 10 to 15%. Um, I assume like 12 team leagues for that. Obviously, as you work into like 10 and 18 leagues, you can probably bump down that percentage, work up into 14, 16 team leagues. You're going to have to bump that up even higher, right? For those of you in like 16 team leagues, you know, you can't be spending 10% on James Cook if he's there. It's going to have to be a little bit higher than that. Like I said, though, after that, kind of a cliff. Um, everyone else I would say is worth at most 5% of your fab, uh, for most players, unless you're in a super competitive league, if you think that people are going to be like paying attention right now, but not necessarily like, you know, throwing a bunch of money at it and being like, oh, got to get this guy because like everyone else is going to go after him, 2 to 3% for everyone else in the video. Um, but kind of looking at it, I'd say the rest of the running back options are Travis Homer, who we kind of mentioned before, uh, Jerick McKinnon, DJ Dallas, who we semi alluded to before, and then Jordan Mason, um, Homer and Dallas are there because of, of course, the Ken Walker injury. Uh, Pete Carroll described it as a jammed ankle. We're going to learn a lot more on Tuesday, on Wednesday, exactly what this is. So it's not like a traditional ankle sprain. Where we're like, okay, it's a low-grade ankle sprain. He's going to miss one to two weeks and then be back. Like We don't really know. There's a little bit less information on this one, um, but we'll see. Uh, so if he misses, he misses some time, the odds are that homer would be the starting running back he missed this last game with like illness slash knee and i guess it's tough to know was it like you know he was a little bit sick and had the knee injury or was it like he was really sick and had a minor knee injury that wasn't holding him out it was more the illness like hopefully we kind of learn that this week but i it seems like the indications are he'll be back next week and if it's him and dj dallas both healthy Homer's the one that's going to get more of the carries and definitely more of the targets and the reception. So he's the one I would go after. And I think it's worth the risk in saying, okay, go after him. If I'm wrong and DJ Dallas is the starter, I really don't think DJ Dallas is going to be all that good. So it's not going to be a situation where like you got to hit on one of these two because they're going to be like locked and loaded running back ones if Ken Walker misses time. It's okay to be wrong here. And if you're right, I'd rather be right on Travis homer because you're going to be more right if that makes sense like he's the better running back he's better in the receiving game so if he's healthy we're going to like him more than we'd like dallas if he's the starter so hope that makes sense maybe listen to it again if uh if you're a little bit confused there but homer's the guy i'd prefer to go after and since they're both probably available I would just go after Homer and then as a backup, if you want to throw like 1% of your fab at Dallas in case you don't get Homer, sure, uh, but that's the one I would go after. Um, and then I almost like, I feel like I just have to mention Jarek McKinnon because uh, he looked great. Like, let's be honest, he looked really, really good, um, looked explosive, looked awesome. 
uh, turns 10 touches into 60 yards and a score, which is obviously nice to see. And then, you know, being on Kansas City, you always need to pay attention when people are getting touches there. Uh, but let's be honest. I mean, Pacheco was the early down back. He did nothing to lose that role. That is his role. Uh, and McKinnon's super up and down. He had a great game this week, but it was still only 10 touches. And he could easily have, you know, four touches next week. He's very game script dependent. And this was more of a game script where, you know, they were trailing or they were kind of like tied or ahead by three points for like most of the game, actually trailing for a good amount. Uh, and so it was more of a McKinnon game. In most weeks, they're going to be up. Um, they're going to be more in like Pacheco game scripts. Uh, and so I'd say like the odds in an 8, 10, or 12-team league and even a 14-team league that you are starting McKinnon at any point rest of season, I think are relatively low. Uh, and so I don't think you need to go after him. I'm not going to be, uh, but if you want to, sure. Uh, and then finally, Jordan Mason. Um, there was actually a lot of buzz about him from beat reporters this summer saying that like he looked really good and if like he ever gets a role, we're going to like him. Unfortunately, he got a little bit buried on the depth chart um, You know, at the end of summer. Uh, they bring in McCaffrey. They had, you know, a number of other running backs that have now either been like traded away or gotten injured, but he's never really had like a full opportunity. And it didn't seem like they fully trusted him early in the season. They had those injuries. They didn't really trust going to him, but he looked good. Like he looked really, really good. Um, remember, he was actually someone uh, when we had the first Mitchell injury when, you know, it was just like uh, Jeff Wilson, Tyrion Davis Price, and Mason on the roster. They didn't have McCaffrey yet, obviously. I was looking at Jordan Mason in these waiver wire videos because of the hype he got from beat reporters saying that he looked really good. And, you know, if, if he was like this developed as he was right now, beginning of season, this may have been a very different season for the San Fran running backs. Like they went to Davis Price and he got hurt. They went to Jeff Wilson and then they traded him away after they bring in McCaffrey. And it's like, I don't know, maybe if Jordan Mason had developed a little bit quicker into the offense and had shown to be as good as he did this Sunday maybe it would have been different. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. But anyways, it's still McCaffrey. This is still a pure handcuff behind McCaffrey, but they clearly trust him more now. And so if you have McCaffrey and you're like, I'm just looking to like secure that spot for the fantasy playoffs, add Jordan Mason onto the bench. If McCaffrey got hurt, you could probably throw him in there. Not going to even come close to approaching the value of McCaffrey because the receptions won't be there, but you'll have someone, right? You'll have an option. If McCaffrey gets hurt, you won't be like, like scavenging on free agency for Jordan Mason, just like have him on your bench and they'll be able to use him. Uh, and then if you like have a free spot, you want to add someone else's handcuff, you do that as well. Um, again, pure handcuff though. This that's the state of running back position. Um, wide receiver, there's options, but like everyone that I'm going to go over here is like rotational flex, uh, maybe second flex spot, maybe third wide receiver spot. Um, all but one of them aren't really going to see a role change rest of season. Like they would need injuries to happen, but they're all like completely fine to add. Spend two to 3% of your fab on them. Um, don't go overboard, but like if you just want someone that, you know, on this bye week week, um, or if there happens to be an injury, you have someone, they're all totally fine. So Michael Gallup, uh, Darius Slayton, Nico Collins, and Jameson Williams, I'd say are like the top four. And then behind them it's Corey Davis, Matt Collins, and DJ Chark with all of those being, if you're desperate, um, I'd be totally fine not even putting any claim in for them. 0% of fab, just like add them after waivers clear. Uh, so it's really those top four again, Gallup, Slayton, Nico, and Jameson Williams. Um, 
some of them had like I'd say like production spikes like obviously Gallup scores the two touchdowns um, Chark has the really nice game but no one's role among everyone that I mentioned changed all their roles are still the same as they were before and they're not going to change the rest of season the one that I was alluding to is Jameson Williams but I have the same take as him as I did in recent weeks He's returned now. He ran, what, two routes on like six or seven snaps. Um, I didn't see exactly what it was, but like he ran a few routes. Um, but like every week, like they they basically, they know that they're not going to be making the playoffs. Um, but they know that like he's their long-term option and they're going to have like take no chances basically. Like they've known for the whole season they're not putting him on the field until he is 120% healthy. He's fully good to go. And then they'll very slowly ramp him up. So you cannot use him this week. You probably can't use him the next week or the week after that. Um, the hope is really, and I've been saying this for like a few weeks, week 17. Like you're hoping in week 17 against the Bears, awful defense. They like fully unleash him. They're like, okay, we want you to have a good game to close the season. Because I think just like, mentally if he can go out there and have five for 100 a touchdown in week 17 feel healthy producing the nfl that's going to be really really good for his development into the offseason and having like a really good summer and then doing really nicely next season in tandem with the motor st brown and andre swift like the it's gonna be a, a, a honestly it is a good offense right now it's gonna be a great offense next season if they can get him fully healthy and I think to close the season if in that last like week or two he can have a really good game that's going to help that development so I think assume week 17 obviously again you can't use him right now at tight end you have four options uh Hunter Henry Greg Dulcich Daniel Bellinger and then I'm I'm not going to get the first name right so I'm not going to try uh but a conquo on the uh Titans Henry uh the role has not changed he's not someone I want long term but faces the Cardinals this week Single best matchup for tight ends. Any tight end playing the Arizona Cardinals is someone I want. In fantasy, he is your easy number one streaming option this week because of that. All the other ones, let's be honest. Like Honestly, everyone on this list and everyone that is not in like the top five to seven tight ends, they're going to project for six to eight half PPR points. You're praying for a touchdown. They're scoring four or five if they're not scoring a touchdown. Um, but the the best chance to like break out of that, I guess, is Dulcich, um, especially if... You know, this Sutton injury turns out to be longer term. There's another playmaker down for the Titans, um, but they obviously like him as their number one option. Um, but it's the same thing. Like, he's extremely touchdown dependent. And like I said in the streaming video, like when I was talking about, or I guess the start-sit video, I was talking about tight ends you could play. And it's like, yeah, Dulcich projects pretty well. And if he scores a touchdown, he's going to have a really good game. But... Every week, it's like, you know, Denver's historically bad on offense. They're scoring, like, at most one touchdown a week. And so it's like you have to pray that Dulcich is, happens to be the one to score the touchdown. It's like there's low odds there. And even having the great game that he had, he had, what, like 10 half PPR points? So it's like that's his ceiling when he doesn't score a touchdown. I know that's the ceiling of most tight ends when they don't score a touchdown, but it's just such a bad offense. It's really difficult to, like, fully want him. So, again, don't expect, like, a ton of production from any tight end you're picking up off waivers in week 14 like you got to know there's there's just no one at this point but again henry's the top option uh just because of the matchup being incredible for tight ends then dual because he's like one of the last people standing on that offense 
Then Bellinger back from his injury, he's going to get like an okay target share, chance of scoring a touchdown, and then a Conquo, um, especially if Burks is going to miss time. Um, they like him. I was actually reading um, a few weeks ago, and I don't even know if I've really mentioned him much in videos. I was reading a few weeks ago about um, just like from Titans beat reporters and like Titans people, um, kind of about this offense and things they want to do, and they're pretty excited about the core of like a Conquo and Burks long term. Um, they were kind of talking about how, like, obviously we know Woods isn't really, like, a long-term option. Um, Nick Westbrook-Akine is, like, you know, fine, but obviously not. You know, there's only a ceiling how good he can be. But they were definitely saying, like, Burks and Conquo, like, they're excited about this this tandem of players. So this isn't some, like, random player that spiked. Like, they do actually want to get him some looks each week, and they're going to design plays specifically to him, and especially downfield. He can have a role downfield. So this isn't a random game, but it also doesn't mean he's going, like, off the rest of the season. He could easily have one reception for 10 yards this next week. Just understand that, like, he's someone they view in their long-term plans, and if, like, you know, they're still going to have to throw the ball at some point. So even with Burks out, like they're going to scheme looks up to him and he's not a terrible option on waivers. Uh, outside of that, we're looking at quarterback and defense streaming options. Only two quarterback options right now, Goff and Mike White. Though I'd say Mike White is much better in weeks 15 and 16. He's going to get home matchups against the Lions and the Jaguars in 15 and 16, but then he gets a road game at Buffalo this week so not the best week to stream Mike White again it's okay if you've been using him but at Buffalo's I mean that's asking a lot of him to do well but if he can keep this job which I think he's going to keep the job rest of season the team's definitely behind him uh he's 15 to 16 he'll be a good op option then Goff is good this week because he gets a home matchup against the Vikings uh the Vikings have allowed Mac Jones and Mike White to throw for 382 and 369 yards against them in back-to-back -back weeks. They are allowing a ton of production. Everyone has been efficient against the Vikings, and so Goff, obviously, in an efficient offense, that's a great spot. Uh, and then finally, defense streaming options. Uh, top two are the Steelers versus the Ravens, especially if they're not going to have Lamar Jackson. That's a great spot. For the Steelers, they're the number one option. And then the Vikings at the Lions. I know it just trashed on the Vikings defense, but uh, despite giving up like a billion yards per game, highly efficient numbers to opposing offenses, they're at, you know, the defense 12 right now in points per game, thanks to 24 turnovers, which is tied for third in the league. Um, we mentioned this a lot. Everyone likes to go to like, you know, defenses that don't allow a lot of points per game, they'll pull up maybe Vegas lines and be like, oh, look, you know, this other team is projected to score 18. So the defense going against them is good. And it's like, that's not really how defense works. Like, even just like look at your scoring format for fantasy defenses. Basically, once a team gives up like 10, like obviously if a team gives up zero or like six points, that's awesome, right? You're getting a good baseline for points. But once the opposing team goes over like 10 points, which is not that many, you're not really getting that many points for the defense. And unless they score, you know, 30, whether you're getting, you know, one to three fantasy points, like that's basically the range you're getting from like 13 through 28, you know? So points against doesn't matter as much as people think. Like the Vikings have allowed nearly seven more points per game, like NFL points per game than the Broncos, which is a lot of points per game in production. And the Broncos rank second in points allowed per game in the NFL. 
But the Vikings fantasy defense has still scored more than the Broncos just because they forced more turnovers. So again, it's okay to let up a ton of yards. Um, I know a modest amount of points per game, even like if you let up 24, 25 points, if you're getting some sacks and you're forcing turnovers, you want that as opposed to a defense that's giving up, you know, 19 points and only has one turnover force. Like you're still just getting fewer points. So just kind of making sense of, of why we're streaming against a defense that we're also streaming. Then finally, if you don't want those two defenses where you can't get them, uh, you've got the Raiders, not a good defense, but at the Rams, obviously they've kind of packed it in on offense. And then the Broncos are a good stash um, because they play at KC this week. So please do not play the Broncos at Kansas City, but they're home versus the Cardinals and then at the Rams in like the next two weeks. So if you're looking for someone in weeks 15 and 16, Broncos are not a bad option there. So that is how the waiver wire is looking this week. It's not great, but it's week 14. What can you really expect? There's just not going to be surprises anymore. Um, I will have the rest of season rankings updated tomorrow. So if you're watching this on Tuesday, they're probably updated, uh, well, in the afternoon, kind of night on Tuesday. Uh, And it's possible that's the last time I update rest season rankings. There's no real need for them in the fantasy playoffs. Like at this point, I don't think anyone can really trade anymore, which is like a big part of it. Uh, but then also it's like a long-term view of everyone's value worth the fantasy playoffs. Like you're not really taking a long-term view anymore. If you've got one more week of the regular season, then you're in the playoffs. We don't care as much about long-term view. Like there's a month left of fantasy. We're looking at the right now. What can you produce for me right now? So rest season rankings, again, this will probably be the last week those are updated. So I'll be back on Thursday to go over starts and sits for every single position in every game this week. And then Saturday to go over my favorite plays of the week. But that, my friends, is the next one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button? How about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.